from the Tao Te Ching, number 47. Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world. Without looking out your window, you can see the essence of the Tao. The more you know, the less you understand. The master arrives without leaving, sees the light without looking, achieves without doing. Well, thank you, Samuel. Well, here we are on Easter Day. Normally, we'd be up on the mountain uh, about now, but what with everything going on, we're all in our homes or here at the chapel. I think, you know, it's an odd time to be celebrating the idea of resurrection with all around us being in such chaos and with such misery all over the world. Good Friday and the cross seem quite relevant, but I'm not sure that many of us feel almost ready for Easter yet. In some ways, time seems to have completely slowed down, and we're still in the midst of the cross with Easter quite a long way off. But these things are pretty arbitrary. Easter's plonked in the diary, and we are to celebrate it. Normally, it's a case of adjusting our normalised mindset, first of all to Good Friday, and then a few days later to Easter. Irrespective of whatever else is happening in our lives, we're generally able to get our heads around it and see the symbolic meaning of both. But being plunged into such a crisis, it's more difficult to think about things symbolically as reality is thrusting itself upon us and demanding to be heard. Anything that's not addressing, not addressing that current reality is somehow irrelevant. How can you see things in symbolic and hypothetical terms when your neighbour's being carted off to hospital and being put on a ventilator. But of course, it's always been thus. Easter has been celebrated through wars and plagues, much worse than this one. And to some extent, there's a, there's a comfort in the familiarity of the seasons and the festivals as they come and go. A sense of time endlessly flowing through whatever's happening and that this too shall pass and one day we'll be back on the mountain with everybody else. However, it does demand that if we're going to celebrate the season, we do it in a way, I think, that feels both appropriate and about how we feel. To indulge in some idealised fabricated reality just to make us feel better through hearing the story and the platitudes about death and rebirth that often accompany it doesn't seem to me to fit the bill. So what can we say about the resurrection that really speaks to us and our situation? Well, one thing that we do have in common with the disciples after the crucifixion is that they were locked in their room. It says in that reading that Samuel read that they were in their room with the doors locked 
for fear of the Jewish leaders. They were definitely isolated at that time. And then suddenly Jesus was among them and said, peace be with you. He knew they were afraid and it was peace that he offered them. That idea of exploring the universe from being locked in your room, the idea of exploring the universe while being locked in your room comes in many different traditions. Samuel read from the Tao Te Ching's number 47 about being locked in your room. Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world. Without looking out of your window, you can see the essence of the Tao. The more you know, the less you understand. The master arrives without leaving, sees the light without looking, and achieves without doing a thing. So in the room and doing all that. And there's another reading in the Tao Te Ching, number 26. And it says, the unmoved is the source of all movement. Thus the master travels all day without leaving home. However splendid the views, she stays serenely in herself. Why should the lord of the country flit about like a fool? If you let yourself be blown to and flow, you lose touch with your root. If you let restlessness move you, you lose touch of who you are. That idea of exploring the awakened universe from exactly where you are now. And it also mentions it in the Upanishads, the Hindu scripture. It says in that scripture, smaller than the smallest, greater than the greatest, this self forever dwells in the hearts of all. When a person is free from desire, his mind and senses are purified. He beholds the glory of the self and is without sorrow. Though seated, he travels far, though at rest, he moves all things. So given that we are all now locked in our rooms like the disciples, how do we travel far, though seated? How do we travel all day without leaving home? How do we open our hearts to the world without opening your door? How do we arrive without leaving and I think here we find ourselves in the same position as the disciples after the crucifixion, locked in our rooms for fear of what is going on. And then miraculously, Jesus appears to them and the whole universe opens up in a moment. They see the essence of all things in Jesus and they are liberated from their imprisonment. Jesus comes to them as a resurrected being and brings them peace. He foretold it earlier, before his crucifixion. He said to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And here he is after the crucifixion, and bringing that promise of peace. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Do not be afraid. And that's the piece of the resurrection given to the disciples. And for this to be relevant to us today, it has to be the peace that's offered to us as well. The disciples didn't go anywhere to get it. It came from within, from within a locked door. And I think that same peace is available to us. How do we access it? Well, I've got a particular take on that. For me, it's all about consciousness, everything that we experience, everything that's existing, everything that's here at the moment. It's about consciousness and the information that we have available to us within that consciousness. For me, the whole nature of consciousness is actually, it's a library of information that all of us contribute to and all of us draw from. That information includes everything that's ever happened since time began. All the plants, all the animals, everything, anything that's ever happened is within consciousness that we're able to access now and reflect upon. When we're born, we're given access to that library of information. It enables us to learn language, be educated to the level of understanding that we're connecting in with, And then throughout our lives, we both draw from that information and we give back to it. It's out there and it's in here. Everything that has ever happened is contained within the memory of consciousness that we have access to. Nothing is lost because all connections within consciousness are registered and remain part of that pool of knowledge. You can easily see that in books and all the accoutrements of learning. But it also exists in every single interaction that we have. Every contribution we make, every effect we have, is registered in consciousness and remains there, accessible and available to others to connect with and to learn from. All our relationships, all the work that we do on ourselves or on the meditation quitting, all of it remains in that library of consciousness that continually avoid, that evolves and develops. And that's how the evolution of consciousness happens. Like that famous hundredth monkey, we learn from what others have done. And that includes all the bad stuff too. It all stays in there. And the ordering principle for that information comes from that ground of all being, that universal mind. God or whatever that is that enables that evolution that's moving to a point of completion. T.R. Deshada calls that the omega point, the second coming, the thy kingdom come moment when heaven and earth are perceived as being the one that they've always been. That moment when creation and the creator see themselves in perfect harmony. We're moving towards that in the evolution of consciousness. So consciousness is this great soup of information ordered by the love that each of us brings to it, which is why it's so important to realize that everything we say or do or think matters. There's a permanent record of what we're doing taken by consciousness within and which we're a part And everyone we connect with gets to reap the rewards of that connection. Thich Nhat Hanh 
says every one of us can do something to protect and care for our planet. We have to live in such a way that a future will be possible for our children and our grandchildren. Our own life has to be our message. Our life is our message. The idea that our lives are in fact messages for the future. Our lives contain information for the future. And I think in the same way that our lives do that, the lives and messages of the great spiritual leaders, such as Jesus, Buddha and Muhammad, exist living as messages, information for us, their future. Not just from the books that were written about them, but from the direct experiences that they left through their actions in that library of consciousness. And here is where, for me, Jesus' resurrection comes into being. Jesus appeared to the disciples in that locked room after the crucifixion. So we can access the heart of Jesus through connecting with those traces left in consciousness by him, those living traces left in there by him. And when we connect with them in prayer, in meditation, out in nature, in the mountains, what we're actually connecting with is the information that Jesus has left us in that library of consciousness. The resurrection of Jesus takes place in the locked room of our hearts. And our role is to open our hearts and allow that information, that living information to come in and inform us. It is through this that we can travel far, though seated that we can travel all day without leaving home. It is through this that we can open our heart to the world without opening our door, that we can arrive without leaving. When we open our hearts to the information left in consciousness from Jesus, we find the path to eternal life. We find the way to the universal mind. We find the way to love. We find the portal that is opened in the Lord's Prayer. We find the peace that passes all understanding. Just as Jesus was the living world word, so in opening our hearts to the living world word, we become that living word too. And so the resurrection takes place within us, no matter where we are or in what situation we are in. By becoming conscious of the true nature of the information contained within the life of Jesus, we become the resurrection in our own lives and in the lives of others. Now, I wonder if you're opening, if you're open to trying this out. Um, just below me here, you'll see um, a representation of Rublev's icon of Christ among the heavenly bodies. Now, icons were known as windows into the divine. And although that's a hard concept to grasp, when you see all consciousness as a function of information, you can see an icon as a piece of information or a gateway to the essence of the information. Just as when you read something in scripture, it can open your heart or your mind. So icons can do the same. Now, a Franciscan 
in England made this for me, and I use it in my daily meditation. I gaze at it. I gaze through it. And so connect through it with the information left in consciousness by Jesus. I connect with the love and peace that he left, using this as a gateway to connect it with the universal mind, to connect with the ground of all being, that greater self that we're a part of. And I'm just going to invite you to see if you can do that too. Just look at that icon and open yourself to the presence of Jesus. Connect with that presence that's been within consciousness for over 2,000 years. Allow that connection to be from Jesus' heart to your heart. For me, this is the true meaning of the resurrection. He is becoming alive once again in your heart. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, when I say the words, Father of us, when I have it in my own prayer life, I look at the icon and I say, Father of us, and I see that us as being me and Jesus, Father of us. Those words link you and Jesus together in a relationship with the Father. As Jesus said of his resurrection, he said, in a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It's a personal relationship and a personal resurrection. So get a sense of yourself sitting there, looking at that icon, knowing that Jesus is saying, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. A personal resurrection. And we say, Father of us, and we connect. Father of us the one who is in the heavens. Hallowed be your nature. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. Cancel our debts as we cancel the accounts of those indebted towards us. And let us not be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So let's pray. We pray for our world and particularly for all those suffering from the virus, those on the front lines helping in hospitals, mortuaries, ambulances, shops, delivery people, police, 
all those people putting themselves at risk. We pray for them. Pray for all those suffering around the world, those in intensive care at the moment, those worried about having the virus or getting it. We particularly think of those who are less able to help themselves, people in, in camps, refugee camps, in war zones, in prisons, homeless people. people who are hungry. We particularly pray for our leaders, ask them to have the heart of compassion, to think of those people that they serve, how best to serve them, what to do. Particularly pray for those who've asked for our prayers. In our community, we pray for Joan Downey, Connie Clancy's mother, recovering from hip surgery and a heart attack. We pray for John from Clark's Pharmacy, recovering from a stroke, from a snowboarding accident. For Rita Hunter, suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease. From Heather Morrow, still recovering from her brain injury. For Brett McKenzie. For Kevin Bedalian, suffering from Lyme disease. For Petra Krimmel, suffering from cancer. For Marianne Boltz, Catherine, Caroline Glaze's mother who's ill. Diane Shen Shelton, Michael Waters' sister, undergoing chemotherapy. Jim Stark, diagnosed with stomach and esophageal cancer and starting chemo. The O'Keefe family. Christopher Gavitt with an un, as yet unidentified autoimmune disease. Frankie Black, who has the virus and is now out of hospital and recovering at home. Ashley Morse, Heather Idell's daughter, who is a doctor on the front line in an ER unit at St. Joseph's Hospital in Denver. And Chris Thompson, suffering from the virus and currently on life support. And we mention all those now in our hearts that we would like to pray for. Amen.